everybody, welcome to our podcast. Daja how everyone. So this week we're actually I'm filming from my Uedda Junction, which is my mummy hotel, because you've had your baby. Yes. We're not gonna really talk too much about that this week, but next week's episode I am gonna talk about the labor. We can share up both of our labor experiences and we can compare them, we can discuss, and also um both of our Ueda Junctions, our mummy hotel experience as well. Yes. So we will be doing a two-part episode on that next week. But this week we have um a very lovely guest on that I met at my mummy um well, the mummy classes that I yeah. went to with the doula Angela. We also did a podcast with Angela the doula. Um, her name's Weena and she is pregnant currently. And she tried IVF a, a lot of times, which we will go into in the podcast. So please sit back. If you are someone who is going through IVF or it's something that you've been considering, sit back, listen. She's got some great advice, some great tips and some great facts. So we hope you enjoy it. Yes, welcome on, Weena. Sure. So I'm Weena. Uh, I'm of mixed heritage. My mom is Malaysian Chinese and my dad English. I was actually born in Singapore, spent about a year there before moving back and forth between the UK and Malaysia. My husband, Jeff, is Taiwanese. We met in university back in the UK. And after graduating, we moved to Hong Kong, worked in finance for about 10 years before moving to Taiwan at the end of 2020. We had decided to change our lifestyle completely to be closer to nature because we really wanted to put up a fight to start our family as our pregnancy journey has been a little tricky for us. So that from the hustle and bustle of Hong Kong, we are now living in a lovely Taiwanese countryside in a tiny house that we spend about a year hand building ourselves. We now grow our own fruits and vegetables and buy fresh eggs from our neighbors. Oh, wow. Yeah, the oh chickens. Gosh. We had this conversation. Are you, have you got any chickens yet? Not yet. Not no. yet. Because <laughs> I remember you telling me that your neighbor was going to give you a chicken and I thought it was a live chicken and you were like, no, to eat. And I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> I love chickens. Chickens are cute. Okay. So we actually met uh, Angela, the doula's birthing class. And, um, I remember we were having a conversation with another lady there and all three of us had had um, not the easiest journey of getting pregnant. I would say you and the other lady by far struggled more than I did. I, I had an ectopic pregnancy and had a tube removed, but your story is just really, I found very like um, emotional, but also impressive the the gumption that you guys had to keep going you know, and I know the other lady had tried, uh, had been trying for a long time. And then I heard about your journey with IVF and how many times you were trying. And I was like telling Cheryl about it because Cheryl also did the birth, same birthing class that we did with Angela. And she also hired Angela as her doula. And mm -hmm. I told Cheryl about a bit about your story. And she was like, oh my God, we need to get her on the podcast. Like people need to hear about this because there's so many people who struggle with with getting pregnant, but also IVF. So how did your IVF journey start? Yeah, so Jeff and I, we started dating a long time ago, 16 years ago when we met in university. Mm. And we got married about 10 years ago and started trying for a baby already. So it's been oh. a long oh, journey. Wow. 
And we always thought that, you know, people get pregnant when they try not to get pregnant. So how hard can it be? Yeah, But later, yeah. you know, you know, days became months, became years. We even moved to a bigger apartment in Hong Kong, hoping that, oh, with more space, the baby will feel more welcomed. But unfortunately, after one and a half years of trying, still nothing. And one of my friends, I remember, urged us to go and consult a doctor. And these things, it's not easy, right? I felt a bit reluctant, but I eventually did. And I started with um, oral hormone pills. I'm not sure if you guys heard of something called Clomet. So I had for about a year. And then I moved on to IUI, where sperms are injected into the uterus. And then I moved on to Chinese acupuncture and herbal medication. So I didn't start IV right There's away. different types of, oh, okay, so you were trying different methods first before Yes. you went into IVF. What was that? Exactly. Sorry, what was it you were saying before they inject sperm into the... The uterus. So that's IUI. It's called um, intrauterine insemination. So instead of taking out your egg and injecting the sperm in a lab, they just inject the sperm into the uterus, um, timing the best time, the, the time ovulation of the high. Yeah, exactly. So we did all this. And before we knew it, we've been trying for four years. So one day I asked my acupuncturist, I'm like, oh, should I consider IVF? And he basically said that with your age, you should. And so he recommended me to an IVF doctor in Taiwan that many of his patients use, saying that it's much cheaper to do IVF in Taiwan. It's about Mm-hmm. 40% cheaper. And for me at that time, I used to come to Taiwan a lot for work and also for gatherings with uh, Jeff's family. So Taiwan makes sense for us. It's only one and a one and a half hours flight away. And like what I did for many of my business trips, I sometimes would hop on a plane in the morning, come for my IVF consultations or treatments, and then go back to ta go back to Hong Kong again Yeah. at night. Oh my gosh. Did you start IVF in Taiwan or did you start in Hong Kong first and then get referred? I started in Taiwan, um, went to the doctor that my acupuncturist recommended. And then after that, I decided maybe it's better if I don't fly so much because work involved a lot of flying. And then if IVF involves a lot of flying as well, maybe not so good for me. So I decided to um, give it a go in Hong Kong. So we did two rounds in Hong Kong. Oh, okay. So two rounds in Hong Kong. And overall, how many IVFs did you do? Ten. Ten. So Yeah, that is a lot. Um, and that's why, where I remember you saying on your 10th try was when you got pregnant. And um, a couple of the women in the class were like, whoa. And Angela was like, oh, my God, 10 tries. Like, that's that's determination. I think I know I know some women who have um, done IVF. two three times and then given up because the the pain the stress the emotional you know the mental health that comes with it as well and they just I think it just got too much for them and after three times they just they were like okay it's not working and then they and then they stopped did you know the odds of IVF before you started Well, there are many different numbers out there, like hmm success rates of different clinics, hospitals can be quite different as well. And they may be calculated different or presented differently. Uh, some don't even publicize the numbers, but in general, the success rate is about 30 to 40% for women under 35. 
unfortunately, um, this rate will drop with age because egg quality yeah. quantity tend to decline. When I first started IVF, I was 35. Quite a few of my friends that went through IVF succeeded on their first attempt. So everything wow. was quite positive. But then there was one friend of mine that failed after 10 attempts. So even after 10 attempts, she still felt uh, I'm Buddhist and generally quite positive. And I remember thinking that this is not going to happen to me. And with that mindset, I started my treatments. And guess what? Like we mentioned just now, I did hit that number 10 before successfully being pregnant. Yeah. And now you're 37 weeks pregnant? 36? 36 in two days. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Wow. Congratulations. Woo! I know. Thank it's you. so exciting. If... When you were doing IVF, was there anything you were doing on the side, like supplements, things yes. that you were taking to try and boost? Or vitamins that you could could recommend someone else taking that you thought really helped? Yeah, so the research finding can be quite mixed, actually, when it comes to the effectiveness of supplements to boost IVF success rates. Some doctors that I speak to recommend it. Some, not really, like you can take it kind of attitude. Uh, but however, given that IVF is not a small matter, you're put to sleep, you're put under general anesthesia during egg retrievals, it can be quite emotionally draining and it's not yeah. cheap. So I would definitely recommend preparing your body as much as you can for about three months ahead of um, the egg retrieval, because apparently um, the egg takes three months to develop. So um so yeah. It, so okay. So if you to prepare your body for three months before, what were what were the things you were doing? Like uh, obviously yeah. healthy eating, no drinking, no smoking. Um, yeah. So this includes taking supplements and supplements. I think more importantly, having a healthy lifestyle, like you say, healthy balanced diet, exercising, and in terms of supplements, I was recommended folic acid. Uh, ubiquinol or CoQ10, mm -hmm. uh, inositol, vitamin D, D2. D3, yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. And then some people that have low egg counts or low AMH level, they are also recommended to take DHEA. I feel that um, before the egg retrieval and embryo transfer, it's very important to have cardio exercise. Yeah. And it's uh -huh. highly recommended by all of the IVF doctors that I've consulted over the years, cardio exercise. So for me, I tried to run as much as I could, even though it's not my favorite, but mm -hmm. it was a good opportunity to explore the countryside around us. And I got to know a few new neighbors mm. in the process. Yeah. Um, folic acid is something we've actually discussed before on this um, podcast, because if it wasn't for Cheryl, because um, uh, Cheryl's got a three-year-old and she, you told me, didn't you, Cheryl, about folic acid? Because my doctor's never even told me. She was trying to have a baby. I was like, you need to take folic acid because I mm -hmm. did not try as long as you did. I did try and I wasn't getting pregnant and I'm young. I was young. So I was like, how hard is this? I spent my whole teenage years 
not teenage, oh, maybe goodness. young adults trying not to get pregnant. And now it's so hard when I, every time it was that time of the month, I'd be like, let's do this. And it just started becoming so stressful. And then I spoke to my sister-in-law and she said, you need to take vitamin D3 and like 5,000. Don't just take, you know, what the doc, what the pharmacist recommends you. And then folic acid. And she was like, don't, you need to take this certain amount, but you should take a little bit more because your body doesn't absorb as much. So you want to make sure you can absorb the most that you can. And as soon as I started taking it, I felt, I don't know if this is just my mind, but I felt the month after I found out I was pregnant and I was also very relaxed. I, I decided not to be so stressed about it and just go with the flow. And I just thought, you know, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, I'll visit other things. And so it happened for me. And I feel like it's because I was taking these supplements and I really believe mm -hmm. in it. So when she got pregnant, I was like, you need folic acid. I don't care if you don't want to take anything else. Take the folic acid. It helps. Yeah. And you actually went and brought me some. And then I thought I OD'd on folic acid because <laughs> it was really strong. But I did. I, I thought I OD'd. But I started taking folic acid, I would say, maybe a month. So I stopped drinking alcohol, um, trying to eat healthier and move a bit more and taking folic acid a month before. And then that months of trying I got pregnant but I just when you told me at the class that you tried 10 times I don't know my heart just like sank for you a bit because I remember being at work and I I knew I was trying for a baby and obviously I'd had an ectopic pregnancy and only one fallopian tube left and didn't know if I could get pregnant like as easy or if it would happen for me and a colleague of mine um, had just announced her pregnancy and I remember just walking to the MRT and just crying and I was really happy for her and she's had her baby and everyone's healthy but I just re remember feeling like oh my body's not doing what it should be doing as a woman and what if this never happens for me and Colin was like we haven't even started trying yet you know be more positive because he's Buddha as well so he's very positive and doesn't think of anything negative and doesn't want to attract that energy so but I was like but what if it doesn't happen and I was just really emotional so when you told me your story I just remember feeling like oh that must have been it must have been stressfully emotional but also gut-wrenching mm. because every time you take a test, you get your hopes up because you think it's – every time you miss a period, you think it's going to happen this time. Your heart drops because you see not, well, only one line and it just like the whole process yeah. of having to do everything again. So that 10 times, I can't imagine how that must have been for you. Yeah. yeah it's also the combination of many years before that of IVI, I, IUI and – yeah, all. <laughs> and sometimes a false positive as well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. And That's you get awful. so excited, right? I remember Kat sending me a picture and she's like, do you see two lines? And I was I was excited, but then she told me I'm not going to get excited because, you know, it might be, you don't know what, it might be a false positive. It might just be a faulty pregnancy test. So Yeah, because if you leave them for too long, they end up getting two lines anyway. Yeah. And I'd fallen asleep oh, really? and woken back up. Yeah, it will same. Yeah, it will always get like a faded it's, line. It's called a evaporation line. We, I always say like, you know, the second line. You should just wait for it to get 
um, more color so that you don't get too excited. But, you know, when I found out, I told everybody, I told Kat, I didn't even wait till three months. I told everyone and then was like, oops, I should have waited maybe because it's my first pregnancy and you never know what happens. Yeah. Um, So why do you think the IVF was successful? Because I know you did leave your job also, right? And the stresses of work and that stressful work environment. Do you feel like that played a big part in being it, being successful with the IVF? Yeah, I think our lifestyle change definitely played a role. Um, less stress, like you say, more time to cook healthy food and exercise. Mm-hmm. And another thing that I think is also finding the right IVF doctor that mm. is a good fit for us. And yeah, I think, I think. In terms of of finding the right IVF doctor, what do you mean by that? So we've been to how many doctors? Let me think. Four four doctors. So we tried all these 10 times out with four different doctors. And Mm -hmm. I think sometimes um, it's from recommendation and we are new, we go into it. Uh, Sometimes because it's convenient, it's a nearby hospital and we go to it. Um, But we learned that it's quite important to do some homework ahead of time, like finding out which hospital or clinic handles the most IVF cases because they are likely to have more experience, likely to have more advanced um, research, medical facilities, and maybe be able to handle more things in-house as well. And if possible, also find out which hospital um, has the highest success rate. Unfortunately, it's not very publicize but that's useful to know because different clinics have different success rates Mm -hmm. and and also like for our last time round uh, our eighth and ninth time we interviewed five doctors before deciding on which one that was the right fit for us because we really wanted a doctor that is detailed and has the patient to like look through the patients to look through our past treatment history and make adjustments based on that rather than just give us a blanket dosage of medications that like that's like maximum dosage so so a doctor that kind of tailors more to you and takes more time with you yeah okay and one other thing we learned is that the doctor actually needs time to learn our body yeah yeah like what medication works well for us so to be prepared to give them like two to three times of trial mm-hmm. and error before succeeding. And so I think that in terms of like IVF doctors. And, I think and that's also, really good advice. Yeah. And also there's different, there's different theories that the doctors have as well. So some doctors will say, yeah. oh, at, they will cultivate the embryo for three days and then implant. Whereas some doctors will say that, oh, um, they favor cultivating the embryos until day five before implanting because if it doesn't survive outside the womb the chance is lower and then some doctors really believe in like uh, pgs pre-implantation genetic testing so testing the embryo to make sure that it's normal before implanting it so that they can rule out any embryos that are not normal um So there's different different theories, like different doctors have different beliefs. Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, yeah. 
So yeah. may I ask, which one did you choose? Did you choose? So we definitely favor, so like the, the doctor that we used in Hong Kong and the last doctor yeah. that we used here, um, both of them are very well known in their field. And mm. we agree with them after so many attempts that cultivating today five helps. Mm. And so doing PGS um, on the embryos to rule out any abnormal ones help yeah, as well yeah. of course there's risk that you won't get any embryos that survive to day five which happened to me yeah. many many times or you get embryos that come to day five but then it's not normal so you can't really do the implant but it mm -hmm. saves a lot of time and it saves a lot of emotional yo-yo because you could have very good quality day three embryo implant yeah. and then it doesn't survive but you oh. maybe you're implanting like two embryos this time nothing survive and then next time you're implanting three more and it doesn't survive doesn't so you're like keep getting your hopes up but then yeah yeah wow. having it destroyed again yeah I, I didn't even think of that like I I thought you know you always have specialists in every field but I always thought that something like this was kind of just the same across the board but just obviously with different specialists that maybe have more experience but not different mm -hmm. techniques or different viewpoints and theories on on how how to make it effective yeah or, or the protocol that they use so I think that's really good advice for anyone out there that is is trying to get pregnant via IVF do you have yeah. any other Don't advice get me wrong, though. like some oh, people on, yeah. still get still successful using day three embryos it's not absolutely yeah. um i i had i actually got pregnant with a day three embryo once mm -hmm. but then miscarriage very early on mm -hmm. um but i know i do know people who use day three embryos and still successful for them but mm -hmm. in my case i really felt um i favored the day five and the beforehand yeah yeah. Um. Also, with IVF, is there any um side effects to your body that you've seen happen, or are they varied with different people? Yeah, I think it it varies with different people. For me, I felt that I got tired more easily, and yeah. also because I have a lot of aches, um, I yeah. get very bloated. Something called OHSS. Not sure if you've heard of it ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome right because uh -huh. oh. with IVF basically you are doing all the injections before egg, egg retrieval to increase the number of eggs that you're producing every oh, wow. like for the cycle right so instead of one egg um, some people are producing like 20 30 yes. eggs in one cycle so all the eggs in there very very bloated yeah. Um, some people experience some form of depression, which I did, but not for IVF. I did experience some form of depression when I started taking oral hormone pills, Comet, at the very start of my fertility treatment, but thankfully not for IUI or IVF treatments. Yeah, I suppose because your hormones are all over the place, right? And yeah. trying to, that's, it just seems so, it's, such a, it seems like such a struggle we know someone that um had ivf and it failed the first time 
and then um Cheryl's cousin is um she's been on the podcast actually so I'm sure she'll be fine but um she was an IVF baby her mom tried I think five times but her mom was 41 when she was trying to have her and she was born really early like at 20 weeks or 21 weeks or something Mm -hmm. like that and Mm -hmm. they told her mom that it was that she wasn't gonna make it she was like this big she could fit in a butter tin she was only I think like 600 grams big and they said you know, she probably will die in the night. And if she does survive, she will be either very blind and like have a lot of disabilities. And you know what? She's flourished into like the most beautiful girl. Yeah. You, If you looked at her, you wouldn't even know that she was a premature baby and that she has all these issues. She does have a few health issues. It's internally but it's amazing. Like when I hear her mom talk about it, she told me about it when I was pregnant. And every time she spoke about it, I'd start crying because I know that feeling of carrying a child in you and to know that like you want to be able to carry them to full term and have yeah. a healthy, happy baby. And that was not for the case for her. But her baby turned out perfect and normal but it's not like that for every person no mm-hmm. and it so. is a worry isn't it Cheryl like um yeah I'm meaning you'll know like you you get to certain stages of your pregnancy and you're like okay I've made it okay next stage okay now we're at this stage and it's it's such a like a relief because mm-hmm. I remember uh what, what how many weeks was I Cheryl and then I called you and I was like I think I lost my mucus plug and I didn't um I think it was like I don't know, 20 something weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, did I tell you? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I was like freaking out, but apparently your mucus plug can break off in parts and you can get like, um, I was like, don't freak out. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God. And you do because then you know it's going to complicate things and it's going to be difficult and you want your baby to like be in you for as long as you can. And, um, you know, yeah, so I always say like, you know, every stage you're always worrying because I know Kat yeah. was asking me at the beginning of the pregnancy, like, when does this worrying, you know, stop? Does it? And I was like, I don't think it ever stops. You know, as soon as your baby's born, there's it's another worse. thing you worry about. When you get a three-year-old, you don't only worry about that. You worry about things that happen that's out of your control, it's right? Like, so I said, you know, yeah. there's bits and pieces and you kind of have to learn to deal with it right so you were so right every time I used to wipe when I was pregnant because I heard all these horror stories you know and and because I have family my cousin's mom would tell me like oh you need to do this and you can't do these things like don't exercise don't lift but I was doing all that every time I wiped I check like is there blood every single time yeah and like go to the doctor and ask is there a heartbeat because I just was so worried. I had so many friends. I, my best friend's been trying for four years now, trying to get pregnant. Unfortunately, this year she um, was pregnant, but she lost her baby. So she told me she's taking a break. She doesn't want to think about trying anymore. So she's gone and got a whole lot of tattoos and she's loving it. And she was like, every time, you know, you get past a certain stage, you so excited and then you know your hopes go up so I was always worried like oh my gosh am I going is something bad gonna happen and now I worry about my child doing something stupid like putting her fingers in a you know a socket without knowing that she'll get electrocuted yeah we are still worrying we're still making our moms worry as well aren't we yeah 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 
I, I phoned my mom right after I gave birth and I told her, I get it. I get it so much now, mom. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I put you through all that. <laughs> no, it's so true. It is really true. Um, So actually, I we had a question here, like what advice would you give partners who want to try IVF or have failed as a couple? Um, What advice could you give emotionally for, for the mental yeah. health? Because we spoke a lot about um, doctors and vitamins and preparing your body and taking care of your body. But in terms of like being mentally strong, it's quite a difficult question, I suppose, because everyone's different. But what advice do you would you give to someone that's failed a couple of times? Yeah, it's kind of hard. I don't know if I'm in the position to give advice. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, oh, you can't really be absolutely prepared for IVF. You can try yeah. your best to prep your body, do homework, like we say, to identify the right doctor. But at, at the end of the day, the outcome is uncertain and there can be a lot of ups and downs. Um, mm. Staying positive definitely helps. So I feel like having a spiritual anchor for me, that's my daily Buddhist practice to help me mm. stay positive and not lose hope. I think that's... Um, yeah, that's quite important. And also overall, you know, um, I wouldn't say keep trying either because like you say, everyone's situation, goals, aspirations are different. Mm. And there are times that you need a break and it's totally fine to yeah. take a break and rethink, reprioritize. Give yourself yeah. that mental break. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there are many options out there really, right? I've got mm -hmm. friends who use a surrogate. I've got friends who use donor eggs, some that use donor sperm, some adopted, and they are all very happy. Some mm. not to have kids after all, still very happy, you know? So and I do believe in that positive mindset. Someone else said that to me when I was pregnant and I was kind of getting a bit worried all the time. They're like, just stay positive. Just, it's not going to happen to you. You're fine. Just be positive. And mm. I did the whole way through my pregnancy. I was just like, oh, what if it is this? I was like, no, it's not. Just be positive. Like even when those thoughts would come in, I was just like, no, come on, just get on with it. It's all good. He's fine. Everything's good, you know? Um, and I do think that that does help, but for some people, maybe that's a bit more difficult. Um, but congratulations, you're pregnant. How are you feeling? Let's end part one mm. with how you are feeling. You're going to be a new mum soon, uh, January 4th, right? yes yes <laughs> i'm feeling pretty good yeah pretty good <laughs> i think i complained yeah. to you a lot about my rib rib cage pain so i need to yes. like spin about at night quite a lot but apart yeah. from um it's been hard to get pregnant but our baby has been really kind to us we yeah i'm still doing exercises every day still able to swim and do yoga which i'm really happy about nice Nice. Yeah, pretty good. Oh, I'm so excited for you guys. So thank you so much for tuning in and join us this Thursday at 8 p.m. for part two. Bye. Bye.